Welcome to the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast, showcasing the amazing individuals we have in our region. Hello, welcome to the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. It today is the 6th of October 2022 and I've got a special guest with me today who is a newly appointed ambassador for the Yorkshire Businesswoman and it is actress and lifestyle brand owner of The Capsule, Natalie Anderson. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you're welcome. I, I, I will say that I was slightly nervous about today because um, you host a podcast and when I've interviewed people that have their own podcast I always feel like oh gosh am I going to say the right thing so do yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah welcome and I hope it, it goes all right and um I had a bit of a, a fan moment before when you came on um as I was doing my research into what you're about and what you do I've read lots of articles uh, I've even got the Yorkshire Businesswoman magazine in front oh, of gosh. I've just read that that article and um I started listening to your podcast and I've got to say I'm an absolute convert I started at the beginning <laughs> with a few from the beginning I think you've got hundreds haven't you you've got hundreds of yeah. it's a big podcast and then I switched to the other end actually it was I wanted to listen to the Denise well Denise Welsh episode so mm-hmm. I, she's kind of at the latter end so I thought I'll listen to that and I really liked how it kind of not changed direction but I think you've got a more finely tuned approach around well-being and women's issues and you know I'm 53 and I really like listening to that mm. people that are talking the same language as me and but also learning myself from that and and I just want to drop a few names because I've I've literally learned so much from like five episodes it was Millie Gooch, Joe Elvin, Liz Earle, Stephanie Waring, I've mentioned Denise Welsh and Natasha Hamilton who I know was one of your early Mm -hmm. ones but I still really enjoyed that so tell us a bit about why the capsule and and how you came to setting it up and it, I mean, it, 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 it's, it is quite a long-winded story, but I'll, I'll try and make it as, as um, succinct as I can. But originally, right back in the day, like I, when I was working at Emmerdale, I used to blog for Hello and I used to fashion blog. And there's a thing, you know, that most, well, a lot of people would know um, called the capsule wardrobe, which is a basically like 10 pieces that you just have in your wardrobe that you can interchange, you invest well, so you don't overspend. And I really was passionate about people not overspending it was right at the height of fast fashion and I could see all these young people kind of just getting into debt because they was like buying this buying this and I was like oh my gosh it's driving me mad like I've not been brought up that way and I worked in retail and I worked for Hobbs and they kind of introduced me to this thing called the capsule wardrobe so originally it was a blog about investment pieces and finding the right pieces and then so I picked it up and dropped it quite a lot over the first couple of years probably probably around until about 2018 um, because I started it in 2016 properly and then 
in 2018, I came off of tour. I was touring with Kay Miller's Fat Friends, which I absolutely loved. But I came off tour and I was completely and utterly burnt out. And I'd always suffered with anxiety anyway, but I'd never, ever talked about it, ever. Because professionally, I just had it drilled into me that you don't talk about that kind of stuff. You'd be seen as a liability. So I walked around with this terrible anxiety. You know, I'd go out on stage and I'd be performing and inside I'd be thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. And it was just awful. And so I picked the capsule back up but started to kind of drop in things on well-being and anxiety relief and, oh, this product might help you sleep or this product might, um, you know, just this supplement might make you feel better. But I never owned why I was talking about that stuff. I just found that from our website hits, it was really resonating with our audience. And I'd find people kind of coming and visiting us in the middle of the night, you know, trying to find like anxiety relief things. And I was thinking, oh my God, people are like me. There's more people like me than than I thought. And, And I decided to do a live event to get all these women together. And I wanted to kind of champion female founded businesses, which is how I also got involved with Yorkshire Businesswoman and Topic Magazine. That, you know, they attended the first event that I did. And we had, um, you know, exhibitors and we did a Q&A with expert guests. And it was a really amazing success. And, and, in, and in that, I was given advice by um, a PR team who'd said to me, Natalie, The website and the brand all looks lovely. It looks fantastic. But why aren't you telling people why you're putting all this stuff on there? And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't. No, you don't understand. You know, too scared. And and I'll have a meltdown. And, and, you know, and I'll be viewed like an idiot or like a failure or just all this horrible stuff that came along with feeling like an anxious person. And I finally took the courage to do it at my live event. And it was like being a a meeting of some sort. So I was like, hi, I'm Natalie and I suffer from anxiety and I started crying on stage. And I was absolutely shaking. And honestly, the love in the room was amazing. I had so many women go, oh, that's me and me and me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I genuinely am not alone. And that really ignited a passion in me then to go, right, that's horrendous that there's been so many people feeling like this, feeling completely alone. If we normalize this, if we normalize anxiety, you know, obviously we started to move in the mental health direction anyway, but women's health issues, we, we'd we hopefully get further along and we'd all feel a lot better and we would feel connected and not alone. And we might go some way as to resolving some problems, you know, social problems. So it really galvanized me. And then I was advised to start a podcast, which became the Capturing Conversation. And from there, really, it took on a whole life of its own that I was not expecting. <laughs> yeah, I think when when you probably when you stood upon stage and you were you're kind of it's an overused word, but your authentic self mm. and people in the audience are going, oh, gosh, that's me. They've kind of they've connected to your story and you've built up a level of trust without actually meeting these people Mm. in person. And then when you start the podcast, like this is the first time we've had a conversation, but I feel like I know you because I've listened to your voice literally over the last week, quite a lot. And, and I can hear the kind of sincerity in your voice when you're talking to people and the guests that you've got on are talking about stuff that I'm thinking about 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to reach people um, who couldn't be reached sometimes. You know, there might be somebody a mum or just whoever kind of sat at home feeling like at their wits end and just saying oh my god I can't do this I'm sick of it and then they tune into our podcast and you know it might be a high profile guest or an expert and they and they go they reassure them that they're not going mad and that they're not alone it's like okay yeah I've had this too you know when Joe was like oh my god I feel horrendous I feel like a mess and I'm like oh my god you're Joe Elvin you know the editor-in-chief of Glamour magazine (laughs) like what are you talking about and she was so honest and so how she didn't have her shit together do you know what I mean and she said it and I was like oh my god the fact that you've said that makes me feel like I'm I'm all right and, and we need that she, she said something really funny, did Joe? And I, can't, I, don't, I don't want to quote her because I can't remember the words, but I laughed out loud when she said she'd got a 70s diet and she still <laughs> ate, she, she's not a vegan, she still ate potatoes and, and something else. And I just, I laughed my head off because I thought, that's me. Yeah. Um, she, but she, she was really, really good. And I think what's happened with me as a listener is kind of, you've hit a lot of points that one am I either thinking about and I can't say out loud Mm. or, you know, the HRT stuff is, you know, that's all me and my friends talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about different HRT uh, symptoms, things like that. One of the things that, um, and and you've mentioned it, I've heard you talk about a couple of times, but when you had Millie Gooch on and she was talking about her kind of sober life, um, she talked about sober curiosity and and you've talked about how alcohol affects you. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of in the same thing that I used to, you know, I was like the ladder of the of the 90s. And, you know, I've been on those bottomless brunches, still, yeah. still go on them. I went on a hen party last weekend and drank way too much. But because I'm perimenopausal, the way that alcohol affects my body is not how I want to feel. So I am sober curious, but I've never even heard that phrase before. I don't want to give up drinking, but I want to find a way of drinking less. It's being mindful. Yeah, and it's being mindful. And, you know, that's why I wanted to do that episode with Millie. And we've got a new episode coming out with Amber Davis from Love Island. And I met Amber at Ascot this year. And she's the same. She's completely not drinking on the head because she's very passionate about her musical theatre career. And, you know, she's very dedicated. And she'd said in, in, you know, the one that's coming up on Sunday that younger people are waking up to the fact that actually... Alcohol isn't the be-all and end-all. We can use it, you know, when we want to have it, have a nice time, but it doesn't define us and we don't have to drink to be the confident one in the room and it shouldn't be that kind of crutch. There's so much out there now and I think it's fantastic, actually, that a lot of younger people are paving the way for this. You know, we, we're not boring if we don't drink and like Millie, like Amber, they've got all these different things that they get off and do, you know, and and they go off and do all kinds of different events and amazing stuff that they're having parties and it's, you know, no drinking, but you can drink if you want to, but it's not a given. And she said, you know, oh, it's far more older people that ask me about not drinking than it is younger people. I get that. Yeah, I agree. My youngest son's just gone to Liverpool Unit and he's not a drinker. And, And I actually 
will admit I was worried that it wasn't a drink before I went because my experience of freshers was just like a blackout. <laughs> um, you know, and actually when we dropped him off, uh, and I think Millie mentioned this, in the freshers bag there's alcohol and yeah. there's hangover cures and there's there's all sorts of stuff in there. And that's in the freshers box. So that's the first box that you get when you say, this is my name, can I have my room key? And so I was thinking, oh gosh, and I've been worried about how he's getting on. But you know, we're three weeks in now, he's made loads of friends and it's not actually an issue because there's lots of people their age that don't drink. I think drink was... It was massive for it us in the nineties, yeah. Thing. And right. and as Millie described it, you know the way it was packaged to us, that you know the, it looked like pop. WKD looked like it should be blackcurrant pop or something. And and also it was designed for that for empowerment of women. And actually, as she says in that that interview, it was the complete opposite. It it was the disempowerment of women, you know, and it it, it led us down for many of us anyway, of particularly growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, down quite a, a, a difficult path that we're now having to kind of recondition ourselves from. And we're now having to kind of go backwards and go, oh my God, actually, nine times out of 10, all the times I had that terrible anxiety or I had this, drink was involved. And as you said, you know, when you do get yeah. older, Lisa Snowden talks about this on the podcast where she said the histamines in wine, she was like, you know, she became allergic to it. And I and I, me and my mate were talking about this not long ago because um, she was like, I think it's happening to me. I definitely think it's happening to me. You know, I'm I'm 41 this year. Don has just turned 40, and she was like, Yeah, because I just can't tolerate it, and I don't want it either. Mm-hmm. Now, I love that we can have these conversations now because we couldn't have them, you know, a good 10 years ago. It just there was a different kind of chat with women. It felt, I think it's, we're moving more towards a sisterhood, a genuine sisterhood, where we can talk about our feelings and our flaws rather than this one-upmanship quite a lot. I think, especially with younger women, it seems to be that there's more of a culture of, you know, everybody on board. Um, Whereas I think in the past, again, created from a very misogynistic um you know backdrop really you know if you think about the 80s and the 90s and even the Simon Cowell's of the world going I remember a quote he said and it's really stuck with me when Cheryl um Cole was poorly and he said the best way I could get her back into work would be to is is to put Nicole Scherzinger in her seat and I remember that quote so much and I was like oh my god that poor girl's got malaria what a thing to say but that's kind of how and even I don't even think he would def I don't even think he'd say that now. You know, he's a dad and I think I think even his mindset would be completely different. Mm. But I think that's just the way it was that women were very much pitted against each other, you know. If, going back to Joe's, you know, in the magazines, if you look at like the two thousands and the Britney versus Christina mm. and all of this stuff, it was women against women and and I don't like any of that. I, it really irritates me. And again, it's something that I try and fight very much against. Uh, mm-hmm. And with the capsule as a brand, it is about supporting women. It is about empowering women and looking after each other and finding out how we can serve and help each other, really. That's what I wanted it to be about. Yeah. And it, and it's not just the podcast, as you say, you've got blogs online and, and you know, I've had a really good nosy around the website. So I've seen what kind of resources you've got. And I, and I saw a piece the other day about the autumn wardrobe. And I love the fact that you'd mixed kind of 
a new look coat with um perhaps an investment pair of mm-hmm. boots yeah and and you know people are worried about sustainability and and the environment and the planet now so all this stuff's really kind of it's topical but it's really important and it's a and you talking and uh, and writing about things that people care about but I think you know what what the thing is Michelle is though these are things that are really important to me genuinely and things that are, are so true to me like I said I was taught about investment pieces you know I remember once oh my god this is hilarious I remember once going into town when I was about 13 and I had 15 quid and I remember I went and bought some tat my mum went mental because we did not have a lot of money and I'd obviously got this 15 quid from from working and she took took me back to town and made me take everything back and pick one item that was gonna last and she was like you've you know you don't have this money very often it's a treat for you don't be wasting it on rubbish you've got to have it on something spend it on something that's going to last you a long time and it was such a big lesson to me and and it's something that you know again when i was working um, on different jobs and much higher profile i i used to get annoyed that we couldn't be seen in the same thing twice. I'd be like, are you kidding me? I've just spent a load of money on that. <laughs> I'm I not allowed Kate to wear Middleton, it again. Kate Middleton's changing that though, isn't she? She's wearing the same stuff again and people are sort of saying, oh gosh, if she can do it, everybody Well, can. absolutely. And and I remember back in the, two, you know, 2015, 16, I remember it being, I went to Fashion Week a couple of times and I remember it being completely frowned upon if you were seen in anything that you'd already worn. And again, for me, that's just not the way I was brought up. I was brought up to, you buy a really good piece and you wear it and wear it. And historically, like I'm massively into clothes and any anyone that has worked with me on any show or any TV show will say, you'll always find Natalie in the wardrobe department, always. Because it's where I'm so happy in there. But again, you know, if you look at clothes historically, in the 50s and the 20s and the 30s and the 40s the way those clothes were made they were made to last and they were made yeah. beautifully as well and they were made so that you could keep wearing them and and vintage pieces are you know there's so much value in them and and I'm really glad that that movement is you know it's happening now and I definitely do it still on my Instagram even today I've put you know I've got this dress on and that it's past season but very much loved because I love wearing I love wearing my clothes yeah. So I, I'm into pre-love now. So I yeah. have a shop that's, um, I will name it because it's a lovely shop. It's called Redress Boutique and it's in Honley, which is just outside Home Firth. And and she takes clothing from the likes of me, but she'll only take sustainable brands. Mm-hmm. And she will put, if, if, if she thinks that she'll sell it, she'll put it in the shop and she takes a cut of what the sale price is. And, you know, I go in to collect the money that, that <laughs> off my clothes and then I just spend it on the stuff that's in there you know and I've had some really nice stuff and if I only wear this dress once it's okay because it was 20 pound and I've taken things back before that mm-hmm. I've got from the shop and she'll say didn't you get this from here and I say oh yeah I should put it back on the shelves and you know I really like that kind of reusing of yeah. things and seeing somebody else in something that somebody else has wore um I want to ask you what the future is for the capsule because obviously you've spent a lot of time fine-tuning it and it's now I mean I love it I think it's a, in Aww, a great place thank you it's kind of 
what's the next step and how does it grow? Oh my gosh, my ambitions are so big. <laughs> and um, the team that I work with, I think I get, I think I scare them a bit with a few things. But, you know, I, I love it so much and I love the work that I do and I love the women that I work with. And this was always actually in the back of my mind a long, long time ago before the pandemic and before we actually moved into this kind of area with it. But ideally, I would like to create more live events definitely and get more women on board and get more women in the room actually you know with live experiences and live guests so I'd love to take it on a road show or you know have like a live version of it mm. um whilst supporting you know local brands so whichever town it went to local female founded businesses could exhibit and that that kind of thing like a road show that's definitely an, an area that I want to look into but another area I want to look into with it is um documentary making I want to take what we've learned through the podcast and I want want to make it into a a television kind of format so that we can do investigative I cannot ever say this word investigative (laughs) see even you can't really say it (laughs) you know what I mean yeah that word of journalism where we actually go and find out stuff and it's very similar to what I'm doing now but it's on a, a bigger scale and it's getting right to the heart of problems and helping other women and helping and not just women you know men as well I'd love to take it to the point where we are making great documentaries or we're doing groundbreaking work or even even as a production company because it is my production company that makes it like along with distorted but i would love to create tv drama that's you know dedicated to leading female stories and having female writers and again just leveling out the playing field i'm really inspired by people like reese witherspoon and you know um, jennifer aniston and nicole kidman and kerry washington and all these incredible viola davis these incredible hollywood kind of female icons that are out there making their own work but making it a level playing field for women that's something I'm truly inspired by and using what they have to make it a better place and a fairer place. So, I mean, these are ridiculously huge ambitions and I'm, 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 I'm like no idea of delusions or grandeur or anything like that. But I think, you know, if we try and aim or have aspirations of aiming high, anything underneath is kind of a bonus. So, yeah. you know, who knows? We'll just have to see. Uh- Go for it. I'm in. Add oh, yay! I, I, I actually think as well. It's if you look back at the the programs that Davina's done around the mm-hmm. the menopause. I mean, my husband watched those with him. What with me? What an eye opener! I mean, oh, it was to him. It was just a word. Yeah. Um, but you know, he he watched it, and it's a conversation that I know that he's having. Um. I, th- I don't think it's just a female audience. You know, it's like these, we, we have two boys, but, you know, all these dads out here that have got females, daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're married to somebody. They've got a mother. It's like, it's... Th- it's they're employees, different. you know. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing is it's really important because if you look at so many marriage breakdowns, you know, 20, 30 years ago and where the, those breakdowns actually started to happen around about the times that, you know couples were maybe in their 40s uh, early 40s late 30s early 40s and obviously that's quite a big generalization what I'm saying there but if you actually go back and look at it 
many times it would be, oh, you know, he's left me for another woman or this or that. But nobody might have really understood what was going on together as a couple. You know, if if a woman is perimenopausal, but still in her late 30s, so she's not menopause age, she's not menopause in the menopause, she's perimenopausal. Mm -hmm. 30, you know, that starts at 35, which is something I really am passionate about raising awareness of because I think, oh my God, 35, nobody tells us this. You're still talking to me about being pregnant. Nobody tells me anything else. So, you know, something, and I'll I'll talk about this bit in a minute, but what I'm really passionate about is educating women and men about, look, there's a potential here. It's not always, but there is a potential for changes to start quite early on. Women themselves might not be aware of it. They might just put it down to stress, having young kids, you know, um, being at the peak of their careers because they're not thinking of the menopause. They're thinking, oh, my God, I'm only 38. The menopause is like, you know, a good 12 years off. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, those slow, steady, you know, symptoms, cycle changes, mood changes, changes that are happening in the middle of your cycle instead of at the end, they're creeping in. And Dr. Zoe said it on the podcast, you know, she had her baby at 40 um, and she had a lovely healthy pregnancy and everything but one of the key things that she said was women feel younger in themselves they're on the outside looking younger you know post 40 they are strong but she said the one thing that we cannot change currently is our as our biological um workings that is the one thing that is still defining our age and when you consider that we are losing our eggs you know so many and that's not to scare anybody out there not to scare anyone at all but i just think it's important that we have this information i listened to that episode when i was driving to the hen party Mm mm-hmm and we had the discussion around the table about that episode because I'd just finished it. We got in, the girls started talking and somebody said something about, you know, so-and-so's asked me when I'm having a baby and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I've just listened to this podcast and we thought about freezing your eggs. And it opened up a right discussion, but mm-hmm. a really meaningful discussion. And I think actually... That is the first discussion in my life that I've ever had about freezing eggs. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we we should be able to talk about this freely, like really freely and people not be offended. You know, if, if you want, if you want to have children later on in life, which is the choice that you want to make as a woman, and that is your personal choice, at least we should be given all of the information so that we make a really well-informed choice. Because it might be that you, you know, you could be 35, 37, 39, whatever, early 40s. If we don't know about it, like I didn't know about the perimenopause until I was 38 and it was on our podcast, Dr. Larissa Corder, we were talking about fertility. I had never heard that word before, ever. And she mentioned it in the chat and I was like, I'm sorry, what is this? And she was like, oh yeah, this is the bit before menopause. I was like, why don't we, and me and Anna, I think it was actually on that first one, were like, what are you even talking about? Why don't we know this? This is ridiculous. So I want to make that something that is way more talked about. And and it's not a, oh, you're getting old. It's not a, oh, you're getting old chat. It's a, this is just, you know, like with kids going through puberty, you know what I mean? It's the hormone shifting. It's a phase. It's a phase of life. It, it's not a getting old thing necessarily. Of course, yes, there is a an age attachment to it, 
but it's it's about being informed so that as women we can make really great choices about our lives and our lifestyles and how we want to move into that next phase and like you were saying before about partners part having that conversation with partners and having them involved so you're not suddenly starting to have these two very separate lives mm-hmm. you, you you're in you're in it together it's it's I'm so I'm going on my soapbox again now yeah. <laughs> sorry I, I absolutely love it um and and one thing that I that I read that I think is really important um it's in your podcast show notes is that you're actually kind of providing a toolkit to listeners which I really like that concept of you know you can just pick and choose bits that you listen to and if it if it adds to your toolkit then great well and- yeah that's and that's what we wanted because again I don't we don't always you know go, go on about certain like for example, it might be perimenopause one episode, but then again, like with Millie's episode, it could be sober curiosity. It could be financial well-being. You know, women and their finances. That I wanted to make it. You know, and, and we've had some companies say to us, "Don't you think it's a bit broad?" I'm like, "What do you mean it's a bit broad? Do you not think that we have all these different things that we want to talk about? We, you know, with layered people. You're not just one thing. Oh, oh, okay then. And that's." that's what I wanted I wanted to be able to bring women with each season like a spread of again it's that capsule idea of going everything you need in one place really vital valuable information in one place you can pick this bit and it goes with that bit you can pick that chat and her version goes with this person that might work for you that one might not be for you but there is something in there that would definitely resonate I hope anyway with um the majority of of women yeah and I think you know you your actual other job which is as an <laughs> actress um you've managed to meet some very well-known people and I think that's also part of the pull for the podcast that you've got some amazing guests that are kind of household names mm-hmm. and and that's a pull as well and especially when those people are allowing themselves to be vulnerable and showing the real self mm-hmm. that's also really nice to connect with as a listener yeah and again that was something that was really important to me and one of the episodes like that that really stood out to me was Shirley Ballas I cried when I came off of Shirley's episode she was so truthful and honest about her experiences and her experience with her brother which was a really kind of difficult topic and you know she was so honest about her life and about her fall from grace shall we say in the industry and how she's managed to pick herself back up and it was such an inspiring incredible story and listening to her but a different version of the Shirley that we see on Strictly it wasn't the pizzazz of you know Strictly Shirley Ballas this was a a woman who was being incredibly honest about some of the challenges that she's faced and the the mistakes that she's made you know and being and owning those mistakes as well and being incredibly honest so that anyone listening who may be experiencing something where they felt regret or you know they they felt like they've made a mistake in life that there actually is a future and that you can totally pick yourself up and you can move forward and you can have a new start and I really loved that episode it really meant so much to me when I listened you know when I was chatting to her I'm just going to put that on my next to listen to list, even though I'm <laughs> I'll go and find that one. So in terms of your acting career, what's 
what's next for you? Because I've just, um, as part of my research, watched a bit of Holly. Very well researched, Michelle. <laughs> Thank and, you. And I enjoyed the um, the Hollyoaks storyline around the um, kidnapping. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you from an acting perspective? Well, from an acting perspective, um, I feel incredibly fortunate because I've ticked off quite a few things in my career which has been lovely you know I've done the West End I've done the soaps which I've loved I've done a film just very recently which is out now on Amazon and there's a drama coming out next year um and I'm really lucky that I started working as an actor when I was 11 you know and it was it was a pantomime but I was the lead in this pantomime I was Alice in Wonderland in Bradford at the Playhouse and you know and I got paid for that and that was my first proper professional acting gig and then you know went into kids telly when I was 14 for the BBC so I'm 41 soon like I said so I've been doing this nearly 30 years mm -hmm. and that's I mean, I still think, eh, where's that gone? <laughs> you know, like, but um, I, I feel really proud that I've been able to sustain a career for this long. And therefore, I, I feel like now I've ticked off so many lovely things that I can wait for the right thing to come along now. Like, I want, I want to wait for the next thing that I... I'm really excited about, you know, whether it's um, a drama, um, you know, I'd love to do an American drama series. I'd love to do that, you know, something like a an Apple TV or, or even a, like a Ted Lasso or something like that. I'd love to do that kind of um, work or, or more studio movies, studio film work, which I really loved. That was amazing. Such an incredible experience. And I think, I'd yeah, that's kind of where I I'd like to see myself next. And until that time, you know, until I bag that job, you know, because it's hard, it's really hard out there still, you know, it's very competitive and it doesn't matter how much experience you've got really, unless you're on that top, you know, cream of the crop layer, it's still lots of auditions, it's still loads of self-tapes, it's still meetings in London. And even then when you hit that top note, you've got to then stay rele relevant, you've got to stay around. It, it, it's still quite a intense part of the industry but one I'm still hungry for don't get me wrong but I think that I'm I'm happy to kind of sit and wait for the right projects to come now and especially because I am so busy with the capsule work it's it's fantastic that I'm building something that I'm equally as passionate about on the side it gives me that luxury of not panicking and not being like oh oh I've got to do this or I've got to do that you know I've I feel like I'm too old for that now. I feel like I'm a bit like, oh no, I can't be bothered doing that. I'm not, I don't want to like be, I think, I think as what I've learned is that you have to have self-worth and that's something that I've really learned in my business. And, I, and Natasha Hamilton taught me that a lot, actually. You know, I was on tour with her on, with Fat Friends for nine months and she was the first guest on our podcast and she talked a lot about self-worth. And I don't think I had a lot of that when I was younger. But through the business, I've I've been able to get to a point where I, I'm starting to feel a lot more proud of myself and my achievements. And so with that, there comes an air of, yeah, self-value. So because when, when you go into an audition room, you know, and you don't get it and then you don't get the next one. And I think there was one year I didn't get 30 jobs. I went up for 30 jobs. I didn't get them. And, you know, that can be really crippling mm. on your self-esteem and your, your self-worth and your value. And you think, oh, my God, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, your agent's 
ringing you and whatnot else and everyone's going oh what are you doing next what are you, what are you doing next and you're like oh stop asking me because <laughs> you feel awful so I feel like I don't want to be that person that's walking into an audition room feeling desperate and feeling like oh my god I need this job I need this job because the casting panel can read that a mile away like Mm. and directors and then it becomes like they don't want to work with you you kind of almost got to go in with an air of confidence and I feel like I'm working on that and the business is helping me with that so I'm happy to kind of wait for the right thing really. Gosh, that was a long-winded answer. I'm sorry, Michelle. No, no, it's absolutely fine. We're kind of reached that point in the podcast where I'm going to quiz you about Yorkshire. I've got some questions. Ah! And I read that you were from Bradford, but you, yeah. I, I believe that you live in Leeds now. Or Yes. You're a true West Yorkshire girl. I am and proud. Yeah, me too. Uh, so my first question is, what is, which... Which Yorkshire businesswoman do you most admire? Oh my God, that is a blinking hard question. There's many, many, many. Yeah. I think my first one, oh my God, I knew you'd get me on this. The minute you said to me before we started recording, right, I'm going to ask you about Yorkshire. I was thinking, I'll end up crying. I know I will because I'm oh. so proud. I'm not joking you. But the number one person that comes to my mind is Kay Mella. Yeah. And I find it so difficult even now because she was such an incredible woman and just such an inspiration in my life and you see what I mean I'm getting emotional but when I was 15 I just remember thinking oh my god I want to work with her she's amazing what she's doing for women and she was such a proud Yorkshire woman that she truly for me is Yorkshire and yeah. a Yorkshire woman, you know, and, and that's 100% it would be her that I would think is has inspired me the most. And from a business point of view as well as from an acting point of view, the way she built Roland from nothing, I just find, and, and I was lucky enough to have her on the podcast as well. And it's one of my most fond memories. And I literally hugged her so tight when she came in and I was like thank you so much she's like I'm really proud of you you know in her voice I'm really proud of you you're doing very well she absolutely put Yorkshire drama on the match didn't she 110% but also as well for business I think many people won't realize just what work Kay did for businesses as well and even you know the playhouse and some of the restaurants you know she she put her name to businesses in the area that put them on the map and you know because she became well she became a global sensation really because her work you know like translated across the globe many different continents and countries but for us as a national icon you know she was such a force to be reckoned with such an incredible writer and like I said when she put her name to your business the value of your business massively went up and it it literally broke all of our hearts when she passed this year she just yeah very sad I I didn't know her but We've all been touched by the mm. dramas and, you know, the work that our daughter's done as well. It's yeah. just, she's just kind of a Yorkshire icon, isn't she? Definitely. And all of them together, as you just mentioned then, you know, Gaynor, Yvonne, all of them at Rolham, um, 
the work that they've created and what they've done. So as business women alongside their mum, I'm totally 110% inspired. Right. Um, so we obviously um, spent a lot of time in lockdown outdoors, well, most of us <laughs> did. So what's your favourite walk in Yorkshire? So my favourite walk, um, and I do it every new year, and it's uh, the Ilkley, the top by the cow and calf. So we go, because um, we don't live too far from there, we go, we park the car, we get our walking stuff on, and it's the way that we kick off our new year. We And I love it, and it's one of my most favourite things to do. And just looking out, see, look, I'm going to go again, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. I knew when you asked me about this, I would get really emotional. But it's looking out on those Yorkshire Dales. I kind of go, home? Like, that's yeah. home for me. Yeah. Yeah. I was on a call this morning and somebody said to me, so how's Huddersfield? And I said, it's great. I just, yeah. you know, I'm on the outskirts of Huddersfield. I can go into town if I want. I can go to Leeds if I want. I can go to Sheffield if I want. And I can get into the moors in 10 minutes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so um, my final question is, what is your favourite shop in Yorkshire? Oh, gosh, this is hard as well. Oh, my goodness me, favourite shop. Ooh. It doesn't have to be clothes. It could be a food shop or shoes or... No, I think it's Betty's. Yeah. I think it's Betty's. I think, again, you know... Yeah, like when, when you're we're the going second for a... guest that said Betty's. So the oh, other one, yeah. is, um, somebody that you also know because she's been on your podcast, Millie Johnson. Oh, love Millie! Oh my God, I love Millie so much. She's Thank she's you. another one, isn't she? Another like amazing. Oh, her story when she came on and told us her story, I was like, oh my God, you're like, oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, but I'm working through uh, Millie's books in order. Oh, wow. <laughs> from the beginning. So I'm on about book 12 now. Yeah. And I'm absolutely loving it. She is incredible. So, and she, oh, she's just such an amazing woman. And yeah, another one. Another one of those true Yorkshire icons, yeah. you know. And So what's so great about Betty's? Because we kind of got off on nearly So then. Betty's is another one. It's, it's a tradition. You know, again, me and my girlfriends... Um, when we were all nearer together, we've all kind of got a bit more spread out now. But our our like Christmas lead up to Christmas always used to be we'd always go. There's like five or six of us. We'd all get together and we'd go to Betty's and we'd have like a glass of champagne and a Welsh rare bit, oh and that was our treat. And it was like, oh my god, we just loved it so much. And we any of us that are still up north we do try and do it when we can and we'll either yeah. go to the Harrogate one or we go to the one in Ilkley um and also it's just the experience it's Betty's isn't it it's you know when you were a kid and you went to Ilkley or you know when you went to these posh places in Harrogate and you'd go to Betty's it was such a luxury and such a treat and and they genuinely do the best food and the best cakes yeah. and just the best yeah and you can't be a glass of champagne with half a pound of cheese, can you? No, you can't. Honest to God, if you're a true Yorkshire person, that is like life made. Yeah. Well, listen, Natalie, you've been a great guest. I could talk to you forever. I'm oh, same. So pleased that I've discovered you and the work that you're doing and, you know, particularly every, everything outside of your acting career. I, I think what you've created with the capsule is really special and very timely. 
Oh. And um, yeah, I wish you all the success. But thank you so much for being a guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for those really, really kind words. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Yorkshire Businesswoman podcast. Brought to you by Topic UK Magazine and Yorkshire Businesswoman Magazine.